Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode number 132 of the Get Around Podcast. My name is Jake Adnip with two of my best friends, Andrew Rosenthal, James Cook, in the Get Around Podcast studio here on this Monday. Fellas, I know we talk about this often, but I've never been able to brag as what I will now. And I put it on Twitter, and I already told you guys, but it's the first time we're talking about it. I'm on the podcast. Your boy shot an 89 last Friday. I never thought I was going to break 90 this year. My goal was to like get a handicap somewhere in between like 92 and 95. Never once thought I was going to break 90. And I can tell you, Harrison Beebe, 7-4's Harrison Beebe, shout out. We play, we're playing with him. I've never, I've never heard anybody try to play the smallest psychological mind game like he did with me on that last hole. And the amount of times I've heard about this 89 over the course of the past 72 hours, the numbers can't explain. He, he literally, <laughs> we, I, can't, I, I shot a 43, I first shot a 43 on the back. Or it would have been the front, but on the back because we had started off the back. And it's a par three to end the course on hole number nine. It's 174 yards, and you have to go over like a huge wooded area. And I didn't count my score on the back nine. I knew I didn't get any, like, sevens. I knew I hadn't three-putted. I just knew I was playing good golf. And right as I'm stepping up to the tee box, Harrison just goes with one of those, as long as you don't double bogey it, bogey it you'll break 90. And I'm like, God, man. Like, <laughs> I didn't even think I was going to get 95 because I shot, a, a, whatever, a 46 on the front. And I was like, man, if I get, I'm, I'm going to shoot worse on the back. Uh, there's no way I'm getting, you know, only a few over on the, on the back nine. Oh, no, he says that right beforehand. Thank God. But of course, I hit it. It's a t- ten feet to the right of the hole. It bounces off the cart path and drawn it like thirty feet to the right. Thank God my recovery was good, and I was able to two putt and make it a four. But still, Harrison got so close to knocking me off my rocker at the end of this eighty-nine. Do you think it's one of those things where you know when baseball players are throwing a no hitter, they don't talk about it in the clubhouse? Oh, hundred percent. It was just like that, dude. If I would have counted up my score or actually known I was going to break ninety, I guarantee you my mental would have went out the window. And then Harrison counted up for him. Yeah, at the at the last hole because we saw there. I Harrison had like four, talked about the no hitter. I had like four. I had like four four fours in a row, and I'm like, oh my god, like that's twelve strokes on three holes. Like we're gonna be we're looking good right now. Didn't say nothing, and hey, it still I worked out. Hey, strokes before he even gets to the green. Yeah, Harrison, <laughs> Harrison, Harrison did not jinx me. I still got a four. I shot under ninety. Harrison was a great golf partner for me on Friday. We it, it was nice and chill, with the exception of the fact that we got up at. 8.30 in the morning and golf that early, and it was But that's like your backyard. Degree. But yeah, but it was like 84 degrees when we stepped on the first green, and it was like, oh my god, it was so hot on Friday. I heard you, I heard you golf pretty well, but, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep bragging about myself. I don't want to hear about your 103. I shot an 89. I got a 101 and a 103 in the last week. Yeah, you're so getting better. For me, that's really good. That's so much better than you've, you've my normal trash. What, a couple times? I don't know if I've ever broke 100 in my life. So you're getting there. I, maybe I did when I was like in my 20s and I had more power. But as Harrison said the other day when we were playing, I've, I've gotten old man golf down where I just hit the ball straight now. Yeah, that's all you need. Just get, get 130 yards out of every swing, and you'll get fives on every hole. And you'll you be know perfectly what, fine. guys? Yeah. I got the ball in the air this weekend. There's progress. I promise. I get promise. under it. No, yeah. that, remember that five iron I told you I never hit? Oh, my God. Talk about a good 220-yard club. <laughs> I can hit a five iron now. So I could never well. hit a five iron before. I never I, did. I got my three iron out of my bag for one swing at, at the ground. Not good. I'm the, I think I'm just going to get rid of the three I iron. I still didn't hit that two if, iron. If any shot that I'm going to use a three iron, I'll just use my hybrid anyway. And that's the other thing. Before we get into our episode, let's go ahead. Let's wish 
everybody who listens to this a happy Father's Day. Uh, we know Father's Day was yesterday. I know my dad came up. My parents came up. I got to spend a great day, a great weekend with them, and I really enjoyed it. But I know we always wish mothers a happy Mother's Day and fathers. You know, a lot of you guys who are coaches on here, I, I know you guys are fathers. Happy Father's Day to you. I hope everybody had a great weekend. Maybe even got some golfing. I don't know. We went golfing. The crowd was packed. It's Father's we were, Day. We were backed up. I mean, it was Father's a, Day. A lot. And, uh, I mean, and we were just playing threesome because we had me, Harrison, and Brendan. That's you know, you know what's, we're usually the ones backing people up. Do you know what's really, really weird? Is I actually had a dream we're, last night. We're all playing pretty well, though. Did I actually had a dream last night. Two things. One is that for some reason I showed up to this podcast this morning in just a hoodie and sweatpants, and I didn't realize it. And I was like, we got to get out of here quick so nobody realizes I'm wearing sweatpants at work. But the other one was is that for some ungodly reason, I had a dream that your buddy Clay, we all golfed, and your buddy Clay at the end of the round was like, I'm never golfing with you again. I don't know why or what I did. But I swear to God, I had a dream where I remember looking Clay looking me in the face and be like, we're never golfing together again. And I had to think if that was actually a dream or not, because I'm sure I could do something really dumb that would make somebody not want to golf with me again. I texted with him just yesterday, and he's excited about going golfing with us again. Okay. okay. He's, he's, because, That's subconscious. Because I told him that I straightened out my drive, so now I'm not going to like throw a hissy fit. You're not going to hit the and, cart? And throw a tantrum and everything. So. And he's like, yeah, I'm ready to go so, back. Uh, and... So then. Here's more worried about good. you than me. <laughs> I had one uh, time when, when we went to Antrim Dells, I think it was, uh, I just didn't play the last four holes. Like, I got so mad. I just did not play the, the last only time four holes. I, I, just, I just drove the cart. I was his chauffeur for the last four holes. The only holes. time I think I've ever done that is when I actually, there was one time that I ran out of balls completely. And whoever I was playing with had like two of them. And I was like, well, you just play with your balls and I'll just watch you play because I have no chance. I'm just going to lose all the balls you're going to give me. We'll just let, sit these last three or four holes out. But before we get too far in, I know we've already we, – we, we annoy you guys with our golf games probably way too much, but – What else? There's no other sports to talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's other just than the uh, it, you, you better be interested in our own golf games because we're the only ones who are giving you, like, weekly updates. That, that, that is the pulse right now. The pulse is how much better we're getting at golf. We could try <laughs> tennis and then give people an update on I, ha- I have a tennis racket in my trunk, and I like playing tennis, but, oh, man, that is a lot more work-intensive than golf. You'll be sweating in no time playing some tennis. But before we get too far into the episode, we always like to remind you, this podcast is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. While we're on the topic, you know we like to get our Audible viewers fed when they are loyal and they listen and they interact with us on social media. We had Stephanie Vanneman interact with us on Twitter from Central Lake this week. You are our winner of two free Jimmy John's subs. So keep a lookout for those DMs so we can get that contact information and send those vouchers out to you. Always remember, if you retweet, like, comment, share, reply on Twitter, you will be entered in to win two free Jimmy John subs. Let's go ahead and put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world, guys, and get into the pulse. I know I said that our golf game was the pulse, but we actually have sports to report on, which is amazing after however long of this hiatus has been. Three months. We, I don't even know, once again, however long it's been. We actually have sports to report on. So Andrew had the distinct pleasure of going out to see the Manatee Saints open their season this weekend. I did a preview story on them last week and got a chance to kind of get to know some of those guys and how excited they were. But uh, Andrew, just first of all, what did you see from the quality of play this weekend, especially after everybody being so you know rusty and not having any actual competitive play? Rusty is not the word you would use to describe it. My God, these guys can pitch. First game, Levi Irish. Gaylord graduate, pitched the first five innings without a hit. I think I was counting up, the, I think it was around the middle of the fourth inning when uh, the owner, he was sitting behind me in the uh, in like the, the, the benches area. He's like, you know how many strikeouts does Levi have? 
Six strikeouts, first 15 batters he he faced. Exceptionally well outing for, for Levi. And then he gives up a hit, and they take him out right away. They were only playing a seven-inning contest because the game was uh, shortened because, you know, they, they, they do double-headers. But he tells me after the game he's probably thrown maybe 40 pitches going into that game. That's one of those stories that you never even think about writing. Like, oh, like the Saints have only had like eight or ten no-hitters ever in their history, and one of them almost happened in the first game and back from coronavirus. That's crazy. Now, we, James, we know that the, the Saints have been the top dog in the Great Lakes United Baseball League for the last several years. I mean, they've been around for a long time, but they went, they went like 20-0 and 0 in league play last year. Um, they, they were really destructive. We know that they have big bats. Andrew just kind of talked about a couple of their arms. Do we see a lot of the, you know, they're, they're, do we see anything changing with them being a powerhouse? I know we have a couple more teams that we've kind of noticed around the area, but we know who's on their team. We see, we've seen the roster. Do you think they're any different of an even offensive powerhouse this year? Well, they've got all that pitching, but then, I mean, they they did a lot of good hitting this weekend, too. I mean, uh, you know, Nick Brzezinski's hitting 444 after 13 at-bats. Keaton Peck's hitting 364. Alex Strickland, Austin Harper, Matt Fight, Roddy McDowell are all hitting 333. And then they have, you know. They have a couple home runs this weekend, too. And then they have uh, Cole Proctor, Mr. Uh, Detroit Tiger there. He's hitting 625. He might, he might be a little bit higher on that talent level than a lot of those guys. Yeah, he's, he's five for eight. Five for eight. So, he, but now, how many runs did they score this weekend? I think they're. Uh, I gotta look that up. Like after four games, they they, they scored over thirty he's, runs. He's five they? for eight with four walks. Oh, they're just walking. Him. So his on base percentage is seven fifty. Well, yeah, I mean that guy. Well, I mean, it makes he's, sense. He's, he's gonna he's, damage. He's a single A catcher for the Detroit Tigers. He's gonna damage you. Yeah, thirty nine so. to five run differential. Yeah. So in four games, they basically are already averaging ten runs a game. What we said last year, they are gonna put up those numbers. Obviously, if you're gonna no hitter on the other side of eleven runs. Dang right you're going to be a powerhouse. You had two guys in a weekend basically throw five-inning no-hitters, which aren't no-hitters, but two five-inning no-hitters. You know that you, if you can get six runs up in the first five innings of the game, you got a team on their backs in a hole, and all you got to do is let your bullpen do, take, take care of the rest. Yeah, and then what, Brzezinski and, Hart, and uh, Alex Strickland have both gone yard already once. And they, they, you know, Brzezinski was their MVP last year. So two, two TC West kids. Yeah, there. yeah. I was going to say TC West uh, graduate, but Brzezinski was their MVP last year. I know when I talked to Tyrone Collins, the coach over there, and their owner Phil Kleiber, they were both really excited to have Nick back. In the years that he's been there with them, he has been their best hitter and has been their best player. Uh, obviously, you said he's already back over hitting 400 after the first weekend. Has a home run. Has those power numbers. Um, we've seen a couple of those guys. One of the guys you mentioned was Keaton Peck, who I'm interested to see um, how he kind of melds into this league. Uh, he definitely he definitely was a very good middle infielder uh, last year for Traverse City St. Francis. But I feel like he had issues with some strikeouts and stuff in high school. But if he's already, I mean, obviously, the, it's just one weekend worth of work. But I'm interested to see how Keaton Peck does in this league. Mm-hmm. Is there any other guys and, that you're looking he, out and for? He, and he can give him a guy that can that can be a reliever out of, the, out of the bullpen too, because he he was uh, pretty good in that role at St. Francis as well. Anybody else on the Saints that you're looking out for this year? I mean, they've got a bunch of guys that you know maybe didn't have the greatest opening weekend, but I still think will be guys that are going to add to that to that offense. You know, Braden Lundquist, Lucas Richardson, Lucas Weinert. Travis McCormick. They've got a bunch of guys, Sam Schmidt and Zach Platt, both local guys, and Kirk Myers. They're you know the veterans that have been there before. You know those guys come around. It's going to be even 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 scarier even, for the rest of the GLB. Yeah, that run differential could be crazy. Now, uh, how about for me? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out the name Kyle Gorski, pitcher of the fourth game of the of the, seat of the year. Five to one. He's a little bit better in the back end of that doubleheader, but pitched a complete game. 
Mm-hmm. Enough said. Like you, you, like you have a team that this he's their last pitcher that they have in their bullpen, and he's like, you know what? I'll pitch a complete game because I can. And he's an older guy too. I mean, he's he's out of college. He's not from Traverse City, but he lives in Traverse City now and just plays for this team. I mean, can we talk about one of the older guys? Because this is just. I almost want to do a feature story on him because it's just nuts to hear. But when I when I was doing my preview story last week, I heard about Lucas Richardson, uh, who's on the the Manatee Saints. He has been a part of the Saints organization since 2012. When he was a sophomore in high school, he started playing with them. He has never missed a game. He has played over 180 straight games for the Manatee Saints. Just does it on his own accord on the weekends because he's still good enough. He can still keep up with everybody. And obviously they keep bringing him back. He's like the Iron Man. But Lucas Richardson, I think they say it was over 182 games straight. This weekend would have made it well over 185. But, yeah, so he, he's their Iron Man over at the Saints, which is cool because that's one of the things about this league that's different from, you know, the Northwoods League or something like that is that you're going to get that mix of players like that. There's some guys who literally are, like, just finishing. They're not even into college yet. You know what I'm saying? They haven't even gone playing a, a year of college baseball. There's some mm-hmm. guys who have done that or had their full first year of college baseball taken away. And then there's mm-hmm. guys like Roddy McNeil or you know Lucas Richardson who have been doing this with the Saints for five or six years and can kind of get the rest of that team to understand what the summer ball means for that team. But yeah, so uh, I mean that that can kind of transition us. I know we were kind of talking about you know the difference in the leagues, but I don't think we I didn't even give you guys a show rundown today on what we had coming up, but. Um, just here in a few minutes, I want to talk a little bit about the, the Traverse City pod and the Northwoods League, but we are going to have an interview with uh, former Traverse City St. Francis star and newest Great Lakes resorter, Joe Mluzlakovich, who uh, you know has gone down and played at Wayne State over the last couple of years, but has made the return to be one of the first local players to play for a Traverse City team, at least in near recent memory. Uh, so stick around for that interview, but I want to talk to you guys a little bit more about that. Practice starts this week for them. Wednesday is when they get under, underway. We still don't have the roster, full rosters for the Resorters or the Dune Bears. We are assuming they're supposed to come out this week. We still haven't heard really from the general management over at this Pit Spitters exactly when that's going to be coming out. But if they're going to be starting practice this week, we're assuming we should know who's, we're gonna assuming who's going to be on each team um, rather quickly here. But we are less than 10 days from the first contest. What are teams looking for on day one when they step foot in this weird outlandish situation that none of them have ever even thought about. There's going to be 100 guys descending on Pittsburgh's ballpark at different times on Wednesday. What are they looking for out of that first day, do you think, gentlemen? I got to think it's bigger for the coaches, too, because these are guys that probably learned two, three weeks ago, hey, you're coaching this summer. You got to not only you're going to learn a team of guys that we're just going to pick out over the course of the next two weeks, and you're going to have to learn their coaching styles and how to adapt to them. That's That would be my biggest problem, challenge to me. I've seen a couple of their co- I've interacted with a couple of their coaches on Twitter, just like seeing what they've been talking about, see where their what their backgrounds were. They're all hyped up. But, you're, but you're saying day one's more about that that chemistry and kind of just like getting to know the guys, yeah. on who who is on what team and like what you're working with. Because you only know names at this point. Basically, I mean, James, what do you think? What do you think is the first thing some of these guys are going to be looking to do as soon as they get back on the field on Wednesday? I mean, a lot of them are going to be like, uh, where would you play in college? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be meeting your, your teammates. I mean, you're going to have like 30 dudes that you're going to be playing with for the rest of the summer, and you're going to be like, yeah, where are you from? What do you play? Who else plays my position? Yeah, who do I got to beat <laughs> so I get more playing time? 
But, uh, I mean, yeah, so the thing is for me is I know we've talked to quite a few. We had Pat Holfeld on here last week. If you want to go back and take a listen to that interview, you get a little bit of a sense of, you know, that's when they kind of just announced the pod. We kind of just got that whole thing. But even just in the last week's time, we've had so much more change. With Joe Muzlakovich, this is kind of a great transition between the Saints and, you know, where we're going right now. He was actually part of the Saints up until this past week. And we got to preface that a little bit before we get into the interview with him. He was going to play with the Manatee Saints, even participated in their intra-squad scrimmage, but the Northwoods League announced his pod, and they invited players. And that's the cool part about it is I want to talk about that a little bit before we get into the interview. I know we talked to Joey about it, but having local guys on the team, we know there's going to be local guys, at least a couple, that are going to be playing at Turtle Creek Stadium this summer. What does that do for just interest, and what does it do for just the, the community up here that has, I feel like it can tie what the Pit Spitters organization wanted it to be into the actual hometown. You know, for one thing, at least for the Great Lakes Resorters, which is the team that Joe's going Joe's gonna to go play on, the original Traverse City Resorters were that team of recent high school graduates of Traverse City Central or guys from the area that got their first starts in baseball. That's really, really cool to me. I have a feature story coming out about that over the course of this next week. I've been doing a lot of research into our own articles from the Record Eagle and some of their most famous players, like Bunny Brief, who is actually a name. Like, that's that's actually a really good player. You can look up his baseball reference uh, stats and be just as amazed as I was. But a lot of these historic baseball historians that I've been talking to, you know, there wasn't really much to do in the summer in the early 20th century. So they have baseball teams, and they all challenge each other. And you know what? The Traverse City team, their big rival was Manistee. Joey doesn't know that, but heck, I, I, that's just really cool to me that there's just so many parallels that over the uh, over a generation of really no one alive today would know. And I think from a fan standpoint, it's going to be big. I mean, you're going to have somebody. You know, a lot of people I think just view the Pittsburghers and the Beach Bums before them as somebody like that, the, that, that the tourists come here to go to and they go to the games and stuff like that. But I think you're going to see more w- with. With getting some local players on here, you're going to see a little more connection, I think, with the, the fans right here in Traverse City. Because you're going to have two TC St. Francis guys playing for the Resorters. You're going to have a Frankfurt guy playing for the Resorters. And the two of them are catchers. So one of them's going to play every day. So you're going to have a Traverse City kid playing every day. And then Joey Mizlakovich coming out of the bullpen, probably, by the sounds of it, for them, too. It'll just be nice to have that. In all the years that they've had a team... Here with the Pittsburghers and the Beach Bombs. Fifteen plus years. You've never had anybody local play for this team. There was one guy that got signed in the middle of the season one time with the Beach Bums who was a relief pitcher from that played at Buckley. Uh, Ledford was his last name. And he 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 stayed on the team for a couple weeks, pitched a couple innings. That was that was about it. Other than that, there's never been anybody local. And and we know for a fact we have several local guys who are going to be playing at least four days a week with the way the schedule works. Mm-hmm. You're, there's going to be local guys on the field probably about four days a week. I personally think that that is an area that they don't really, they, you know, they don't think about normally when they're, when they're putting together a team, it's about getting the right guys and just get even near far, whoever's the best, whoever they can get. That's what it's about. It, 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 the Traverse City Pit Spitters, I'm not trying to like down them at all, but they are a business. They are an organization. I'm not saying that they're not part of the town, but they're they're more concerned about putting a good product on the field and winning than, I guess, they know that they can still get fans without local guys, right? But I feel like they didn't – I feel like nobody really thinks about, oh, like, just a couple guys who are just out of high school. I still – I'm excited to go watch Joe Muzlakovich, our, our interview, go play because when I got here was his senior year. 
a year after being our baseball player of the year, if I'm not mistaken, <coughs> his senior year got a shoulder, a labrum injury, didn't get to play, didn't really play much his freshman year at Wayne State. So nobody's seen him play since his junior year of high school when he was such a big name around here in the first few years in baseball, just like Brett Zimmerman, who's going to be joining him on the Resorters. I mean, an All-American catcher mm-hmm. from Frankfurt. We know exactly what that kid was capable of. Thank God we actually got to see him play his senior year. But I'm just as excited to see him come back and see how much better he's gotten over the last two years mm-hmm. since he's been in college. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because even in high school, nobody ran on that kid. No. He's got a cannon. Oh, yeah, dude. If you're, if you're talking a, about a, a catcher, cannon, a cannon. A catcher. Mm. And, and Cooper Peterson does, too. Cooper Peterson's a, a take-charge catcher, very emotional guy, You know, great arm behind the plate, too. So that the, the Resorters have a pretty nice tandem. Yeah, for, for, those, for those who don't know, we get into this in an interview with Joey as well, or with Joe as well, but... Brett Zimmerman, Frankfurt, and then Cooper Peterson and Joe Muzlakovich are from Traverse City are going to be on the team. Those are the, the locals that we know of as of right now. We still haven't got the rosters, but I still it wouldn't surprise me if they were able to find another pretty young kid to pull from the area just to make sure, you know, the logistics, I feel like... Put, were, one, on, put one on the June Bears. Exactly. They were so much, but the logistics, I feel, is so much easier for them on those couple of kids to be like, oh my God, we don't have to like have them fly in. We don't have to have them do this. Like... They're here. They're familiar. Like, all we need to do is have them play for us, and we got some bodies, like, and they're quality guys. Like, that works just fine. I'm sure there's more guys like that, too. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe like, a Danny Passano. Maybe. Can maybe. Play, can play center. He could roam that huge center field. We know he's an awesome center fielder. We know he's got that. We know he's got some feet. He's got the speed. And he got his whole off. first year at Hillsdale College taken away. So, I know he he's probably He played really well, though, before the season. The four games. The, the, they only the, had four the five games, games right? he got in. Yeah, I can't remember what it was, like, six, six, it wasn't maybe, a lot. or something like, something like that. They picked him, though, as, like, their uh, defensive player of the year. Oh, okay. That's, that's right. That's I remember freshman. that. I remember seeing the brief. That's right. That's right. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive into that interview with the newest Great Lakes resorter, Joe Muzlakovich. The first, as far as we're concerned. Yeah, actually. Now that you say that, the first Great Lakes resorter, because we haven't gotten a, r- a roster, and he's the only one that we knew was actually pinned on a team to start the podcast today. So let's go ahead and give a listen to that now. The Get Around Podcast is extremely excited to welcome in the newest Great Lakes resorter, Joe Muzlakovich. Thank you so much for joining us today to chat about what lies ahead this summer. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be back. I know it's been quite a while since you've kind of played baseball in northern Michigan. That senior year of yours was kind of taken away via injury, and then you're down at Wayne State last year. Just how did that transition from high school to college go? How did that first full uh, full experience go for you down at Wayne State? It was a lot of fun. Um, obviously, coming right off of surgery, it was hard for me to actually get back into baseball. Had to take some months off there, but loved everybody on the team my freshman year, even this last year, even though it was taken short again by corona, but loved everybody on the team. I learned a lot of stuff, even without being able to throw on everything, just watching them, how they get ready for practice and they end practice and they their, their intensity during practice and stuff like that. I learned a ton of stuff, even without throwing a baseball. So I, I, I've been loving it and loving it ever since. Now, you're obviously back into that swing of things. You've had plenty of time to recover. I know that you've been on the mound uh, just in the last week or so is what we heard from the Saints is that you were, you were out there and you threw a little bit. But getting back in the swing of things, how has the recovery happened um, on a timeline, I guess? It took a little longer than expected. So uh, everything was super good for the first three, four, maybe even five months. I was actually ahead of schedule. But then I had this little pinch come back and 
uh, right in my shoulder where I felt it, you know, like the labrum was before, and it didn't really go away. So then we took some time off and came back and stuff like that. I mean, it's very typical for labrum surgeries to kind of nag you for a while, but now I'm doing well and really hoping, you know, I can get my velo back up. I've been pitching, so now the next key is to get the velo back up, the command back there, and then work on off speed. Yeah, you, you, we were able to get into two games at Wayne State before the season was cut short. How were you feeling in, in those games that you were able to pitch there? I was feeling good. We weren't in Michigan, so it was a little bit warmer than Michigan weather, but still pretty cold. Everybody was feeling cold, but for the most part, I was feeling pretty good. Now, obviously, we got to get back into the swing of things here. But let's kind of talk about the whirlwind that's happened for you over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, coronavirus pushed everything back, so everything was up in the air for a lot of college baseball players. So many leagues got canceled. So many things were, you know, not able to happen. And we know that you were originally with the Manatee Saints, going to go play with them, but have since got picked up by the Great Lakes Resorters. So what was that transition like? How did that kind of all come to fruition? It actually happened really quick. So, yeah, coming into summer, I knew that since Corona hit, it was going to be hard to find baseball, and everybody was going to try to be playing baseball that summer because everybody's season was taken from them. So I hopped right on with the Manistee Saints, full board, going on with them, and went to the practices. And, you know, obviously, like you said, we scrimmaged each other there. And then all of a sudden, my coaches, they sent me an email. It was actually, it was Friday. So a day before our scrimmage, sent me an email and with an opportunity to play in the Northwoods League in my hometown of Traverse City, which is really rare. And they sent that as well, actually, to my roommate. You guys know him, Brett Zimmerman from mm-hmm. Frankfurt. Okay. And they tagged us both in that and said, this is a really great opportunity. We really think you guys should be doing it. So we said, you know, that's probably our best case scenario. I felt really bad, obviously for having to leave the Manistee Saints. I was really excited to be a part of their team, their program. I know a lot of guys from even high school baseball on the team, and I was really excited to be a part of that. So it was a really hard conversation for me to let the coach know that I was going to be going over to the Resorters. But the Resorters, I, I believe it's going to be a great time. Obviously, really good baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and staying in Traverse City is also a, a huge selling point for me. Mm-hmm. Is, is Brett coming along too? He is. Yep. So Brett's on the resorters as well. Oh, so you get you get nice. you get a roommate and a teammate. So you're definitely gonna have some comfortability. Uh, you get home. You get a teammate. You get a roommate. You get a good friend. And you get your catcher. Exactly. Yeah, and your yeah, catcher. I know. Can't get much better than that. Yeah. So it looks like you might be set up for success, but. Uh, I I know that, obviously, you look at the Northwoods League, and they were doing everything that they could to kind of just, like, let baseball happen. But this all materialized with the the new two teams, like you said, very quickly. Was the Northwoods League something that you were trying to get into beforehand? Was there any type of interest for you then, or was this opportunity exclusively created because of the expansion this year? The Northwoods League is a very good league, obviously. And um, since me coming off of an injury, I really don't have too many innings in college baseball. So I don't have the stats that they're probably looking for right off the bat and stuff like that. And obviously, I really wanted to go to the Northwoods League and I really was looking forward to. But I didn't think this summer was going to be a summer I could do it just purely based off my stats. I don't have too many stats coming off of surgery. So this kind of just, yeah, I came up really quick and it was an opportunity I really couldn't pass up just to get my foot in the door in the Northwoods League. As you mentioned, it's kind of rare to have hometown players on these teams. You know, we went the whole last year and there was kids from Michigan and stuff. There's a little bit of a web, but nobody that I guess would kind of draw a hometown crowd for them. What does that mean to you that you're able to kind of like once again perform in front of your friends and your family 
and uh, the people who, once again, didn't get to see you kind of finish out your baseball career in Traverse City. It's awesome. Just to think back, even just thinking back to high school baseball, I know a lot of my high school buddies are going. They've already texted me and called me and said they're really excited for the season. I'm just I'm just really excited. Again, it's going to feel kind of like the high school baseball because I'm going to know a lot of people there and bring back really good memories and I just can't wait. Season can't come soon enough. Now, regardless of uh, you know the situation that it's in, I know that it's going to be a bit weird doing this whole pod thing where you're just going to be playing two other teams the rest of the summer. What are your feelings on that, and is it more or less just like, hey, we got baseball? Really, it's more or less is just, hey, we got baseball. You know, this is it's, – it's really good competition, like really, really good competition. The guys we're going to be playing are, are very impressive guys, and, you know, I think it's really going to help me – obviously going back to Wayne State to see these guys out there and it's going to prepare me and you know I might get hit up a little bit obviously and you know it'll just it'll prepare me for next year when I get into tough situations and just really excited to play against this caliber of players. Are you going to be used mostly as a starter or reliever or they have they kind of went over that any at all? I have no idea yet my idea is probably a reliever just because that's what I've been doing at Wayne State. But honestly, I have no idea. I would assume with the pod situation and how many people on each team have to rotate on a quick basis, you, you might be working in as a reliever more often than as a starter. Yep. Obviously, uh, we know that you got a good arm on you, but like, what are you looking for out of this summer? You had a whole season taken away from you. What is the, what is the goals for Joey Muzlaksevich, you know, this summer? Ooh, there's a lot of goals I can think about. Uh, probably the main goals is really, really getting the velo up more. And then really hitting my spots. As far as those goals go, if I can get my velo up a little bit more and hit my spots, it'll be, it'll be a definitely you know a good summer. So how much um, how much velocity did the injury take off of your arm? Like what were you, what are you kind of at now compared to where you were pre-injury? Um, I'm pretty much back to where I was pre-injury. But then again, I haven't thrown. You know, pre-injury was junior year of high school, junior year summer, going into my senior year. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I want to get back to being better than that. Really working hard to, to definitely gain some velo on that. So as long as I can, I can hit my spots and gain a little bit of velo. That'd be a great summer for me. So you're looking to uh, are you looking to play uh, in the field too? Or are you exclusively concentrating on on pitching now? Uh, right now, it's basically pitching. I know for this summer, I'm a, a PO, pitcher only. As far as Wayne State, I've pretty much moved to pitcher as well. But if my arm ever flares back up or just starts hurting too bad for me to pitch, which obviously I'm I'm hoping that doesn't happen. But if that were to happen, um, I got a spot over at one of the corners. And, you know, I just got to get back into the swing of things there. And, Joe, I got to ask, what do you know about the original Traverse City Resorters, they were the team that apparently the Pittsbitters drew inspiration from in naming one of the two new teams. Yeah, I, I briefly read about them. I still need to do more research, obviously, because I'm on the team about them. But um, they were the first professional baseball team in the Traverse City area, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Second. Oh, they were second? Second. The second? Traverse City okay. Hustlers, uh, they were owned by a guy named James Kehoe. More, yeah. about, more about that in a story I got coming up this week, but... To say, to, say, <laughs> right. to say the least, they were the second. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I, th- I think. Yeah, I think. I think the hustlers were like a semi-pro team, like kids in high school would play in in them. But they had a couple okay. older guys on the team, so th- so they were so the resorters were the first true professional team. But gotcha. yeah, what what else do you know about them? Man, to be honest, that's about it. Other than I'm excited to be a part of that. <laughs> what, what do you think? What do you, all I know right what now. do you think about their logo, especially with you being an actual lo- a local to Traverse City, and now you kind of have to like be one of the tourists on the team, being a resorter, you know? 
Yeah, I'm. I love it. I love it. The the jerseys are total summer baseball jerseys. Um, everything about it just is awesome. The only better name would be the the fudgies. You know, we're we're the only ones that would get that. But now I feel like a fudgy. But no, I love it. I love the I love the uniforms, the logos. I love the paddle in there, and now, I'm I, just really excited. Yeah, and the flip flops. Yeah, and the, sun, oh, yeah, and the sunscreen in the nose. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I know you mentioned that you think you're going to know quite a few guys. I mean, who else do do you know from? I mean, in the area, but who you know who's going to be joining you on one of these two teams to kind of make this Northwood season happen? Um. So obviously, Brett Zimmerman. Um, and then also another another name that you guys are familiar with is uh, Cooper Peterson. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Cooper. He's going to be uh, on the resorters as well, actually. So. Those are the two that I am obviously most familiar with since being Brett's roommate and then, you know, being high school best friends with Cooper. Those are the two names that really, as soon as I found out they were going to the resorters as well, I knew it would it would have been really hard to pass up. So so, so both catchers on that team are going to be guys yep. that you know very well. Exactly, yeah. So just to, just to build more chemistry with them and, you know, just to have that starting chemistry with both of them, it's really excited about. Now, I know this is a hypothetical, but if they would have been like, hey, Joe, you got to go to the Dune Bears, but all your boys are going to be on the resorters, would it have made your decision any different because you knew some guys on the Saints and stuff too? Nope. Pros and cons to both of them. I would have loved to play against them too just so then, you know, we can see who's who's really gotten better and, you know, then we can talk after the games and kind of give each other hard times. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy I'm on the same team as them. Again, because of the chemistry that we already have and just to build, you know, even better bonds with these guys. And I don't know that anybody really wants to – throw against Brett Zimmerman when he's really on point with his bat. Exactly. (laughs) See, but I feel like that would be a really fun thing with, you know, you, him having the rapport with you as a catcher, actually being able to try to strike him out in a competitive setting would be pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that'd be a lot of fun. We really haven't done that yet. Um, except for maybe like fall baller in the winter and the cages and stuff, but no fans, no adrenaline rushing quite like that. That'd be fun to do though. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I, I know you, a bunch of guys from Traverse City would go to you know Beach Bums game and Piss Bitters last year and stuff. How how different do you think for, would it be for a fan now that there's local guys on those teams now? Um, I mean, even in the long history of the Beach Bums, there was only one kid that was a reliever from Buckley that was on the team for like two weeks. Yeah, I think it's going to be really good for the fans too. Um, I think it's going to be more fun for the fans this year than it has been in the previous years because now there are local guys that they know and that they can come cheer for but also because now there's games going on virtually every day and they're going to get to know these, not just one team, but these three teams, you know, and then they're obviously we're all in college or high school. They're going to be making bets. Who do you think is going to be the best? Blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. But I think, I think the fans are really going to like it um, almost as much as the players are. Yeah. yeah. And with Cooper and Brett being on the same team, one of them's going to catch every day. I would exactly probably pretty yeah. much assume. So you're always going to have a TC guy or, Somebody area. should be in the yeah, lineup. In the area. lineup yeah. every day. Yeah, I know. My parents have been talking to their parents and stuff like that, and they're really excited. They're they're already buying their gear and got their season tickets already. So they're definitely they're almost not quite, but almost as excited as we are. Now I want to ask you, um, just because you guys are local, if it's any different. I know that they're putting up the resorters and the Dune Bears over at uh, the Interlock and Public Academy for the Arts. Are you going to be over there with them, or are you able to just, like, stay at home with your family, or how does that work? So, yeah, so we were texting about that, actually, and we, we decided that we're going to go and we're going to stay in Interlochen, but that doesn't mean that we can't come home every now and then, and, you know, we're still 
Interlochen's like 15 minutes yeah. away from my house. So I, I can still go home when I want, you know, when my mom's missing me or something like that. I can go home and spend the night. But, you know, to get the real summer ball feel and to really, you know, know these guys and get to know these guys that we, you know, we're not sure who they are yet. We're going to we're going to end up living there and, and having a good time with them. Yeah, it's more about that that teammate bonding than as much as yeah. you know, only 10 minutes from home. You can just go get dinner with mom and dad if it if something doesn't sound so good. Have they kind of told you how all that's going to work with I know they're looking to like get food sponsors and stuff, but have they kind of told you what your schedule is going to be like when you're living at Interlochen Academy for the Arts? Um, not too much yet. They, they've sent out some papers about, you know, some rules and regulations and that, that we'll be getting meals and stuff like that. But our first practice is Wednesday. And we have to go check in before that. So I'd assume we, we find all that out when we go and check in. You're going to have to live up to the baseball legacy of a guy named LaRue Kirby, who played a couple of years, three years of professional ball at like a 5.2 ERA. How would, you, uh, how, would you, how would you start to try and get to that point? A lot of long toss. <laughs> doing, doing a lot of long toss and really focusing in. Um, I think pitching is, it's, it's a lot about the mental toughness side of it and if you can really hone in mental toughness, even if you don't have your best stuff that day, I think if you're still mentally tough, you're still going to be just fine out there. Well, you and so Kirby, that's, that's something I do. You, you and Kirby uh, shared the something in common. You were both uh, relievers for the Traverse City Resorters. How, how's that? That's got to be pretty cool, right? <laughs> that is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, Joe. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day, and right before you kind of get kicking up with the Great Lakes Resorters, best of luck this season in Northwoods League. We cannot wait to see you and some more local guys out on the field this summer. Awesome, yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. Another huge thank you to Joe Muzlakovich for joining us here at the Get Around that interview sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. They spend six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's. Freak yeah. That's going to go ahead and put us into our post-interview game. We haven't played a game with you guys in a while, so I figured we should have a little bit of fun here after our interview. And we're going to play some fact or fiction. But with everything that's going on, and we, we were trying to find crazy stuff, and you know what the craziest fact or fictions are? Our laws. If these laws exist or if they don't. So we're going to try to teach you some of your rights today. Nobody knows the law. No one knows the law, but these are some outlandish laws according to the internet. So what I'm going to do is we're going to keep track. We're going to go around. We're going to do, I believe it's 10 questions. We're going to make it rather quick, but we're going to go around 10 questions. We're just going to say if we think it's true or false. Maybe have a little bit of a conversation, but we're going to keep tally here and see who wins out of best out of 10 questions. So without further ado, let's get it going, gentlemen. You guys ready for question number one? It's true or false. In Alabama, it is against the law to throw confetti or spray silly string. Repeat, I'm gonna say repeat. I'm gonna say that's false. Uh, true, true. I'm gonna put false. It just sounds weird enough for Alabama. That exists. So you two get a point. I do not. Somebody probably was ticked off that they got glitter bombed and, and a reported. Made that law. Yeah, <laughs> it says reportedly enacted for public safety reasons. Confused or there was concern that confetti could be inhaled and cause distress. You ever glitter bomb someone? Don't ever glitter no. bomb me. Oh my God, I will murder you. Now keep that in the podcast. If you get glitter all over my house, it's over. Our friendship's done. Alrighty. In Poland, Winnie the Pooh is banned from all playgrounds and children areas. True or false? I think it's one of those things that Poland doesn't even know about Winnie the Pooh, but someone made it a point to like sue, so I'm going to go true. James? I'll say false. I'm going to go with false as well. That just seems weird. Yeah, it just seems like one, one, one iconic little dude. We're going to go, it is true. 
In Poland, Winnie the Pooh was banned from playgrounds as he was deemed an inappropriate hermaphrodite due to the fact that he doesn't wear pants and has non-gender-specific genitalia. So they had to ban Donald Duck as well? I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it, but I guess Winnie the Pooh was probably just the first one. All right, next one. In the United Kingdom, it is illegal to operate a cow while intoxicated. So you can't ride a cow while you're drunk in England. True or false? That's got to be true. It's true. That's true. True. We're going true across the board. And it's true. It says it makes an offense to be in charge of cattle while intoxicated. So um, maybe you ain't even allowed to be a rancher while you're really, really drunk. Cause a stampede or something. Who knows? I wonder what the new spotted cow would think about that. All right. (laughs) Next one. In Ohio, it is illegal to get a fish drunk. I'm going to go with true. Like give a fish beer? Yeah, like maybe like. Put it, put just like put a fish in like a, a, a pour a beer in the aquarium. Yeah, or like put a fish in a keg of beer or something. I don't know. I wonder what a drunk fish would be like. True or false? I say, I say it's true. It's gotta be true. False. And it is false. Andrew's on point right now. Andrew, that's, Andrew that, might know his that's, rights. That's completely Ohio though. Yeah, right. It would be to- it would totally be on brand for Ohio if that was true. So, what, so now what, that I know it's legal to get a fish drunk, I kind of want to bring them beer and see what happens. Well, the 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 That's reason just in Ohio, why, maybe it's illegal in Michigan. Yeah, this is in Ohio, but it says that the, like yeah, this myth started because of um, silo runoff with alcoholic stuff into the water. So that's what they meant by getting fish drunk was pollution from uh, grain silos that were fermented and such. Next. In Italy, in, well, Araclia, Italy, Italy, it is illegal to build sandcastles. I'm going to say yes because of, like, erosion or something. So I'm going to say that's true. Sure. No, yeah. Take all the fun out of the beach for the kids. Sure, I'm going to say true. True? Yeah. yeah. Illegal to build sandcastles. Well, now that I've gotten four in a row. True. All right, we're going true across the board. And it is true. A 250 euro fine was implemented for building sandcastles on the beach. Next, in the United Kingdom... All males over the age of 14 are to be trained in shooting a longbow. Do you know what's crazy is I'm going to say it's true, but it's not enforced, and it's just one of those archaic laws that was from yeah, way something, back Something when. that just not, never got taken off the yeah, books. Yeah, something that never got taken off the books. I'm going with true. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go false. And it's false. But ready? It, it got repealed in 1960. So they, they, they took it off the books. They it existed. It. They had it. It existed. But your reasoning was right, but the timing was yeah. put an asterisk on that one. Yeah, right. We get we'll put a little star here. We get a half point. All right, Arizona. There is a possible twenty-five year prison sentence for cutting down a cactus. One hundred percent true. Absolutely, hundred percent true. I say hundred percent true. There's no way that that's not true. That's a public safety issue. You dang right. If he's, the, the cactuses in Arizona can get gigantic. But it also huge. says that it's, it's not even about how big they are. It's just how long they actually take to grow. They take about two, 150 to 200 years just to grow. So And some of them are like two stories tall. Yeah. All righty. In Japan, it is illegal to be clinically obese. I don't know that I, don't know that I can make that illegal. I'm going to say false. I'm going to say false, false as well. We have falses across the board. And it is actually true. There is a maximum waistline of 33 and a half inches for men and 35 inches for women. Are they calling me clinically obese? I wear 34. Yeah. We're like 33, 34. Yeah. 33 and a half inches for their waist. I weigh 185 pounds. What? Andrew, Andrew, what's your waist size? 34. Yeah. <laughs> none, better not go to Japan. None, yeah, none of us weigh over 200 pounds, right? No, I'm, I'm like... You're teetering? Right. Yeah, there ain't, there ain't no... Uh, clinically obese. Oh, man. Well, we all got a, that wrong. There is a streak. Yeah, we all got that, that wrong. Does that get thrown out or something? In California, it is illegal to wear cowboy boots unless you own at least two cows. False. False. That sounds like one of those ones that was probably on the books at some point, but is not anymore, so I'm going to say false. 
It is true. Aww. But it's not in the whole it's not in the whole state of California. It's just in Blythe, California. Just in one town in California. Maybe they were having way too many cowboy posers Where out there. Where is Blythe, California? Is it like did they even have a cow in Blythe, California? <laughs> Probably not. All right. Here's one more. In the UK, it is illegal to die in the House of Commons, which I'm pretty sure is their parliament stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's illegal to die there. I'll say true. I mean, what the, I don't know what they're going to do, but they probably just are false. trying to. Yeah, I'm going to say false. It is false. Here's a couple bonuses. We'll go quick. In California, ice cream may not be eaten while, while standing on the sidewalk. I'll say true. True because. It's going to melt. That damn well better be false. It's false. It was a law repealed in 1986 because Clint Eastwood repealed it. Clint Eastwood repealed it when he became mayor. He's a man of the people. You're allowed to eat ice cream anywhere. Mm -hmm. Andrew already won this game, by the way, so we're just going to run some bonus questions. There's no way me or James can come back in, in in a span of four more questions. In Greece, it is illegal to wear high heels when touring ancient monuments. True. I'll say true as well. True. That's absolutely true. Sharp sold shoes, adding to the wear and tear of the national treasures. I'm sorry, but that's common sense. Yeah. Alrighty. Atheists are banned from holding public office in the United States. True or false? False. I say false as well. I'll take a shot and say that it's true, probably somewhere. It's true. Yeah. Six <laughs> states Arkansas, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, Texas, and Tennessee. France, it is illegal to name a pig Napoleon. I think they name a lot of pigs Napoleon. I think that's totally false. I'll say false because I feel like a lot of people name their pigs Napoleon. That sounds. That's that's weird enough that I'm gonna say it's true. Uh, true because you know you probably had this. It's false. Ha ha. I was gonna give a reason because like you probably had a lot of pigs named Napoleon in France that they were like, all right, we gotta stop this. All right, it's the last one that we got here. Last one in the United Kingdom is illegal to eat a mince pie on Christmas Day. I don't even know what a mince pie is, but I don't know why it would be illegal. I'm gonna say false. False. False for me too, and it's false. All right. Well, what is the explanation of that one? It says, another classic myth which originated from the report that festive celebrations, including mince pies and Christmas puddings, were banned in Oliver Cromwell's England as part of the efforts to tackle gluttony. So it was about not everybody getting everybody fat. It's like Japan putting limits on obesity, I guess. Not allowed to have these pies on Christmas because everybody gets fat off these pies. Yeah. I mean, mince pie, like, it's mince meat pie. That's what I think. It's meat pie. Yeah. That's, like, totally English. Yeah. Anyways, Andrew definitely won that game. He got, like, eight of the first nine and me and James each had four of the first ten. I almost had a perfect round. So, yeah, we, we got pretty close there, but that was, that was a little bit of fun. Brought to you by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. Let's go ahead and get into the Hall of Fame, gentlemen, where we add three new players into the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. I'm going to go ahead and take the honors this week, and I'm going to put in Summer Sullivan from Gaylord St. Mary. Would have been a senior this year. Had hit 566 average on the softball field with a 906 OPS. She was also a great pitcher. Uh, she was third in walks and hits per innings pitched in the area last year and had plenty of strikeouts to go with it. Uh, what about you, James? It's, it's good that you put her in uh, when we just talk, talk about law because she's going into law school. Well, look at that. College. I'm going to put Petoskey pitcher Aurora Sears. She was uh, on our dream team last year as a junior. Struck out. 242 batters in 164 innings. And the 164 innings also led all pitchers in our coverage area. I mean, that's a lot of innings in general. 2.22 ERA also hit almost 400 at 398 with 38 runs scored and uh, 30 RBIs. That's a little golf clap if you couldn't hear it on the uh, on the microphone. Andrew, what about you? 
Reagan Middleton, she's on her way to Alma. Dream Team Honors as a junior, 467 with two home runs, 16 doubles, and 36 RBIs. For her career, she amassed 28 doubles, three homers, 79 RBIs, and a lot of other big numbers, which is good news. Of course, of course, so she definitely would have been making a splash this spring. So congratulations to those three athletes for getting inducted into the most exclusive club in Northern Michigan, the Get Around Hall of Fame. So, you know, boys, we only have one more segment to talk about, and it's a little bit heavier today than it is normally. You know, we do some lighthearted stuff, but I wanted to ask you guys, I, I wanted to talk about it a little bit myself. You know, there's been a lot of talk with the NBA. You know, the NBA is supposed to start up on, like, July 30th. They, they came with the whole, the whole thing where they have their own quarantine, and they basically got it set up so everybody can play. They're not sitting in that limbo like Major League Baseball. or. But over the last week or so, with all of the, you know, the social injustice movements that are going on and everything like that, we've heard a lot of NBA players really give backlash to the thought of coming to play during the time like this. I, the question really for me was, is, you know, we've all been itching and burning for sports for so long, us, the athletes, the fans, everything like that. But with this being so prevalent and, you know, with the movement that's happening right now, you, you understand why the players have trepidation with going out and doing it and kind of acting like nothing's happening. I completely understand in every which way. Yeah, but and that, that, that's my question to you guys is, is just, so say that the NBA players do go back and play. Even though they have that platform, do you think that, just the return of sports and the return of basketball and everything in general is just going to immediately overshadow it like a lot of those players think? I think that's maybe overanalyzing it because I think give yourself that platform. You know, put yourself on that stage and and then say what you want to say when you get that platform because you're, there's going to be media at these games and you're going to get to say what you want to say at those press conferences. But at the same time, I think that's what a lot of them feel is that they already have that platform. They are the, the NBA is the smallest. Not if they don't play because of this. Well, I guess, but the same thing is why we're talking about this right now is they, they haven't been playing for the last two months, but we're still hearing a bunch from basketball players. We're still hearing about the activism. We're still hearing about them on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. I mean, they're still around and doing things. They still have that platform. They still have four million followers on Twitter. You know, mm -hmm. Spencer Dinwiddie, who's you know a, a small time NBA player, might have that's, three four hundred thousand. That's true, but I mean, like. A a tweet is a fleeting thing, whereas a soundbite at a press conference lasts forever. Yeah, it does. You see those what played is, over and what over. What does Allen Iverson? What Allen Iverson tweet do you remember? But you remember practice. I actually we're talking about practice. I remember his tweet that because came out last year about it. practice. <laughs> he tweeted about that, and he was like, "No, we're not talking about practice anymore." But I, I guess the way that I looked at it is like I really do see where where the the back half of the players are coming from, with. Even though we are like, I'm, I'm, I need sports back in my life, but I can see how it will deter from the message because everybody's gone on, you know, even with coronavirus, you know, there's that whole like term of like the new normal, right? Like, oh, we're going to be getting into a new normal after coronavirus. And like, I think the same thing is, I mean, we hope the same thing is what happens is with the, you know, with the move, the social movements that are going on, that there's going to be a new normal from that as well. You know what I'm saying? That is not going to be back into the same thing. And I'm not. I, obviously, it's not normal what the NBA would be doing in August to get the season in or whatever. But I feel like a lot of them don't want to just jump back as if it's normal. You know, why, why would we act like it is and just do it to do it when mm -hmm. we could actually take this time away? That I'm sure a lot of them have actually had a chance to now go out into, 
you know, you've seen a lot of the, a lot of NBA players out at the protests, or you've seen them, you know, standing up, or they've had that extra time to do it. And I'm sure, like, you don't get that often. Your your life is usually dominated by the organization you play for. You're not allowed to say certain things or this or that or the other thing. They the NBA players are usually pretty outspoken, but right now is a, a much more I feel like open book for guys to use their platform to make actual social change. Then mm-hmm. the reason why I say is we so we go back to the to the NBA where they're all just wearing the I can't breathe shirts or we go back to the NFL where they're kneeling, it, the message gets lost so quickly. Do you think about the national anthem protest? Like the message got lost so quickly three years ago that we started talking about it again. And then it wasn't even about the message again. It was like, it didn't it make any sense. It was just about the Trump controversy. Yeah. It was just, it, yeah. And NFL. like when you put everybody on TV or whatever, it gets so, it gets so politicized, which it needs to be. But I feel like we've already done that. We've already had the peaceful protests on the sidelines with the I can't breathe shirts or the moments of silence or, you know, the darkness in the NBA arenas for, you know, 18 seconds for the, the Parkland shooting kids or whatever. But you, I, I've seen that type of stuff. But has it changed anything? Has it really changed anything? Taking basketball away or having the, the players say, listen, man, you ain't going to get to watch us play unless we really have some change around here. That might make a difference. I don't think going and playing basketball and sitting on the sidelines in a, you know, a George Floyd shirt does all that much at this point. I'm going to return to something I talked about in my column, which probably didn't even scratch the surface on sport, and how sports and the role of the racial injustice. When I took a visit to Mizzou University, like when I was first touring colleges, uh, that was the first uh, that was the first week of Peyton Head and uh, I think Jonathan Butler, two students of the university's black student organization. They were going on hunger strike after the university's president, like, ran into them during the homecoming parade like there was a lot of messed up stuff going on there football team on thursday said we're not going to play on saturday unless this guy resigns and well, did he resign he resigned later that day exactly and that's a that, that's the type of thing that like or it was an exit but but it, yeah <laughs> bing bang bing boom. bang boom <laughs> because guess what they really do hold the power if we're seeing this they in were mlb pay too. a million dollar fine to not play against byu yeah and, they, and, sh- and the athletic department's like, Why? yeah, we stand by our players on this. But I don't, I don't see that as being the reason why there won't be an NBA season. I just don't, I just don't see it that being the tipping point. I mean, I know it's a big, it's a big issue, and it's and the all NBA that, is, but I just, wanna... I just can't, I just can't see them going through with that. I guess I can see, feel... I can understand the players not wanting to play because of health concerns. I mean, oh no, I see there's... exactly why they don't want to do it right now. What, what's the what... Dude, what are they gaining? Florida, Florida's going crazy with with cases yeah. right now. They're going to be playing right in the middle of that. And you got the other thing bubble. is just with the other thing is with coronavirus is that we don't completely understand it yet, and we don't know what the side effects are, are what the lasting effects of it are. We've we've seen some people say that you lose uh, lung capacity if, if you get it. What does and, that mean for all these professional athletes? And a professional athlete does not want that. I mean, that's does that mean you're going to have a year cut off your career because you? Opted in to play. Yeah, or, or you only play. You can only or play. You may 60 never get games. it back. Yeah, you may never get that lung capacity. Yeah, back you can only play sixty games a year because your your stamina is just through the floor. Yeah, and now everybody on the team is going to pass you because you're a linebacker who can't stay out there for four downs in a row because you can't catch your breath. Uh, I, or, I, you know, a point guard who can't run the floor because I think yeah. at this point, coronavirus ain't going to be the thing to stop the NBA season. I think I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum. I think that the players, once again, just like that, they have the power to do it. The NBA is the smallest of any of the leagues that we're talking about with the amount of people that are in it. And, like, the NBA, they've said it before, is like a fraternity. There's, dude, there's literally, like, 350, 400. 
NBA players. That's like, why I think maximum. Yeah, that's why the MLB contract negotiations are going on so long because there, there's 150 players in one organization. Yeah, just there, there. Yeah, and there, there's 150 people in the boardroom for the MLPA, MLBPA or whatever. But like, I feel as if if they actually turned around, I don't know. I, I honestly, God, think, and it's not my place to say, but I think that a lot of these athletes actually could do more by not being on the court for one season. I don't think that they gain very much from doing what they're doing in August other than literally finishing this NBA season. Millions of dollars. Once again, <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not that much for those. They already made a full season's worth of money. They're going to get paid for a month of play. Well, if they, for, all they have for, to do is say no to for a month. For stars, yeah. That, all they have to do is say no to a month. That doesn't mean that much. But for you know, your 10th through 15th guys on the roster, they're depending on that money. The NBA is still very, 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 very high played, high paid league comparatively to the on other average. ones. On average, they played in almost yeah. their entire season too. I don't really think that the majority of those guys were that worried about money. <clears throat> I just don't see. I don't see the benefit of. I never really did see the benefit of them finishing this NBA season. Just you know? finish the season, make money. But, but either way, I hope. I think at first people were like, "Oh, win get a, back, to win sports. a ring." That, that, man, that's a. A thing, win a ring. With an asterisk next to it. Everybody, well, but everybody is ju- judged probably more so than they should be by how many rings they have. Yeah, but LeBron wins this ring and then he gets six. It's not going to match up to Michael Jordan, I promise. They just won't say it. It's still a ring. Is it still a ring, though? Still going to have to go through the same playoffs. No, you right? don't. No. Dude, they, they have, they have, same they number of teams getting the playoffs. They have 11 and 9. It's more. Or no, it's 13 and 9. It's 22 teams getting the playoff, mm-hmm. which is more than normal. Yeah, so you're still going to play the same amount of games. Win the same amount of games. You have to win more, I think. I Regardless, mean, I think what the NBA players who are – I don't – I don't. there's people who are – there's even people in the NBA who are ostracizing the NBA players who are like, I don't want to play because of what's going on. We can use our platform. We can use our time for something more than going and playing this right now. I mean, I get it if they want to do I, that. I, I, just think, I just don't think that that's what's going to happen. I think there will be a, a solid chunk of people who don't go. You're not going to see everybody you expect to see down there. Oh, I, I completely agree on that. I just don't think that that – but that's not that wasn't my that question. happening is going to shut the NBA that down. That really wasn't my question. Do you really want to but you were talking about not having a season and not no, having no, a No, no, I'm just saying if they if they did that, I'm just saying I feel like they could – it wouldn't be a big deal if they there, did There it. already have been a handful of players that said they won't play. Yeah, but I'm saying I feel like it wouldn't be a big deal. I feel like they could actually make more forward change without a season than focusing their time on a quarantine one-month tournament. I think at first people were like, oh, we got no NBA, oh, we got no MLE, oh, we got no NHL, let's get sports back tomorrow because this is the only thing I did with my life. But in over the course of the last three months, people started to pick up hobbies. They started to go on walks. People started to go talk about social issues. We started, like, as a, we as a society learned how to live without sports, and now that sports are coming back, we're like, we can go on with this for a couple more months. It wasn't that bad. And I think the NBA is a perfect embodiment of that. The players are like, I learned that. I can make a living off my sponsorships and endorsements and me being myself. And, yeah, and once my again, it's, it's, without, it's, I, don't, I don't need basketball for that. It's not like that for everybody, which is James is getting to. Like, and I understand that. It's not like that for everybody. But, once again, those guys that we're talking about, the LeBron James, the Kyrie Irvings, the Kevin Durants, even though they won't be playing anyways because they're injured, but James Harden, Russell Westbrook, if those guys take a step back, no one's going to care. They are going to follow those guys off of the court. They're not going to care about who's on the court. Is my point. Basketball is secondary at that point. Because mm-hmm. this is all just a contrived mess for them to just make money and get games in anyways. So I'm just on the side of the people. Use the time wisely. Even though I wish sports would be back in full force right away, I don't see too much benefit from the NBA using that time the way they are. That's fine. I just want to talk about it. Money, money, money talks. We get it. 
and we are done talking, probably because we don't make enough money. But that was episode 132 of The Get Around. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to like, share, comment, retweet, and we will find you to get you fed on some free Jimmy John subs. We'll see you for episode 133 next week.